Luke chapter 8 and verse 4. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might see, and hearing they might not understand. I'm sorry, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth, and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. And whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Amen. We'll end our reading at the end of verse 18. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his word for his name's sake. It's rather interesting to note, isn't it, the purpose for which Christ spoke in parables. It was an act of judgment that some people seeing uh, would not see. They wouldn't understand. Some that would hear would not understand what they were hearing. I've never forgotten what one of my New Testament professors back in my college days said about the difference between the hearers and the non-hearers. The hearers were ones that actually wanted to hear and wanted to understand. And you'll notice in this connection that the disciples, verse 9, his disciples asked him, saying, what might this parable be? Anybody who wanted an explanation would have received one, had they but asked. And so we have this situation. The parables are spoken. They were spoken by the Lord. Um, 
out of judgment upon a nation that really wasn't interested in the truth of God's word. J.C. Ryle notes in his commentary that the parable of the sower contained in these verses is reported more frequently than any other parable in the Bible. You have the account of it in Luke. You also have an account in Matthew, Matthew 13. It is, and you have an account in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, if I'm not mistaken. It's a parable that you might say has universal application. The things it relates are continually going on in every congregation to which the gospel is preached. I dare say we can find all four of the soils, perhaps, right in this very room among us that are gathered here today. The four kinds of hearts, and the hearts correspond to the soils. The four kinds of hearts it describes are to be found in every assembly which hears the word. These circumstances should make us always read the parable with a deep sense of its importance. We should say to ourselves as we read it, this concerns me. My heart is to be seen in this parable. I too am here. As if Christ was, or we are right in the scene and Christ is speaking this to us. It is that universal, that broad in its application. The parable, according to Ryle, is preeminently a parable of caution. And caution about a most important subject, which is the way of hearing the word of God. And I love this remark that J.C. Ryle follows up with when he says, Preaching is an ordinance of which the value can never be overrated in the church of Christ. Well, you could uh, classify J.C. Ryle, I suppose, as a good free Presbyterian in that respect, although he was not free Presbyterian or Presbyterian at all. Ironically, he was Anglican, but, uh, but an Orthodox and uh, Reformed Anglican, a contemporary of Spurgeon, actually, uh, in London during the same time as Spurgeon. He recognized the importance of preaching. But then he follows up with um, a thought that I'm afraid may be forgotten along the way when he goes on to say, but it should never be forgotten that there must not only be good preaching, but good hearing. Both are important. The preaching of the word the hearing of the word, uh, both, like I say, are very, very important. And so, as Ryle says, this is a parable preeminently of caution. He has a number of cautions then that he issues to his reading audience. And in the moments that remain, I want to just touch upon these cautions. The first caution, be aware of the devil. When you hear the word, be aware of the devil when you hear the word. The devil is not omniscient. The devil is not omnipresent. Okay, He doesn't know everything, nor can he be everywhere at the same time, but he certainly does get around. I'm reminded of the book of Job, and where do you find the devil in that book? 
uh, when he reports to the Lord, uh, where have you been? I've been going to and fro throughout the earth. Well, he's been doing that for a long, long time. And he does get around, roving about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And nowhere is the devil so active as in a congregation of gospel hearers. Nowhere does he labor so hard to stop the progress of that which is good and to prevent men and women from being saved. From him come wandering thoughts and roving imaginations, listless minds, dull memories, sleepy eyes, fidgety nerves, weary ears, and distracted attention. All coming from him. Busily engaged, busily at work, because the last thing he wants is for the good seed of God's word to take root in the hearts of those who hear. So when all these things... Satan has a great hand. People wonder where they come from and marvel how it is that they can find sermons so dull and remember them so badly. They forget the parable of the sower. They forget the devil. He has an interest in closing your eyes and dulling your minds and just uh, making it hard for you to hear. And so we do well to be ever mindful of that. It is certainly a worthwhile petition to take to the Lord. Lord, as I open now thy word, please give no place to the wicked one to pluck this seed out of my heart. May it find sound lodging there. May I hear it. May I perceive it, the truth of it. May I um, be impacted by it. And may the devil not be allowed to have any place to dull my mind or my memory when it comes to the things I read from thy word. So let's not forget the devil as we prepare our hearts And I hope you take the time to do that. I hope you're engaged in regular Bible reading, but I hope you are engaged in a practice that is spiritual in nature. In other words, you don't pick up your Bible simply the way you would pick up any book and just open it and read. Oh, it ought to be accompanied by prayer. Lord, speak to my heart. Lord, grant that there'll be something for me today in thy word. Lord, keep the devil back from me. Give me ears to hear, Lord. And by ears to hear, and that's an expression you see often, especially in the parables and in the seven churches in the book of Revelation, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. You're undoubtedly familiar with that. Well, I have no doubt uh, today that there's nothing wrong here with anybody's physical hearing, but that's not what's in view when you read that expression. There is a spiritual hearing, which is a hearing of the heart, you could call it. It is a hearing that enables you to perceive the truth and the reality of what you're reading. That is something that it takes the Spirit of God to minister, and it's something that the devil sees fit to hinder. So Ryle goes on to say, Let us take heed that we are not wayside hearers. Let us beware of the devil. We shall always find him at church. He never stays away from public ordinances. 
Let us remember this and be upon our guard. Here is an enemy that must be reckoned with. Here is one that is bent on our destruction and bent against Christ. Thank God the devil has no answer to the blood. The blood answers to every accusation. So we read in Revelation 12 and verse 11 that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. So we do well to plead the blood of Christ, even to our Bible readings. Lord, I'm pleading the blood over my hearing today. I'm pleading the blood against the devil today. Bind him back and quicken my heart and grant that I will hear with understanding and spiritual perception. If we would cultivate good and honest hearts, to use the phrase in verse 15, which is another way of saying that we are given ears to hear, then we must be on our guard against the one who is bent on making us dull and fruitless. Second caution. Beware of resting on mere temporary impressions when we have heard the word. Okay, did you get that? Let me say it again. Beware of resting on mere temporary impressions when we have heard the word. Our Lord tells us that the hearts of some hearers are like rocky ground. The seed of the word springs up immediately as soon as they hear it and bears a crop of joyful impressions and pleasurable emotions. But these impressions, unhappily, are only on the surface. There is no deep and abiding work done in their souls. And hence, so soon as the scorching heat of temptation or persecution begins to be felt, the little bit of religion which they seem to have obtained withers and vanishes away. Have you ever seen in the springtime? I'm sure you have. When all of those little helicopter seeds, you know, oak tree seeds, I believe they are, and they fall all over the place, and a number of them will fall into your gutter, and if there's any uh, uh, dirt at all in the gutter, you see little sprigs that will start to spring up uh, in your gutter. You know they're not going to last long because there's no place for that seed to take root. Well, that's sort of what the Lord is describing here in the next instance. Those who hear and have an immediate impression made on their minds or on their hearts, uh, but yet um, in time that seed withers and vanishes away. Now, I like that uh, Ryle kind of counters this uh, with... Um, the recognition that there is a legitimate place for emotion in our Christian lives. Feelings, no doubt, fill the most important part in our personal walk with Christ. Without feelings, there can be no saving religion. Hope and joy and peace and confidence and resignation and love and fear are all things that must be felt if they really exist. But it must never be forgotten that there are religious affections which are spurious and false. 
and spring from nothing better than natural excitement. It is quite possible to feel great pleasure or deep alarm under the preaching of the gospel and yet to be utterly destitute of the grace of God. The tears of some hearers of sermons and the extravagant delight of others are no certain marks of conversion. We may be warm admirers of favorite preachers and yet remain nothing better than stony ground hearers. Nothing should content us but a deep, humbling, self-mortifying work of the Holy Spirit and a heart union with Christ. So that's a second caution. Uh, Beware of just um, surface emotionalism, if you will. I think that's something that probably um, a lot of Christians have bought into in my generation. You know, a heart-jerking, tear-jerking anecdote of some kind that can have a profound emotional impact and yet doesn't lead to salvation. Third caution, and this is one that I think is very applicable uh, to us today in our culture and in our nation. Third caution, beware of the cares of this world. Beware of the cares of this world. Our Lord tells us that the hearts of many hearers of the word are like thorny ground, The seed of the word, when sown upon them, is choked by the multitude of other things by which their affections are occupied. They have no objection to the doctrines and requirements of the gospel. They even wish to believe and obey them. But they allow the things of earth to get such hold upon their minds that they leave no room for the word of God to do its work. And hence it follows that however many sermons they hear, They seem nothing bettered by them. A weekly process of truth stifling goes on within. They bring no fruit to perfection. They're too caught up with the cares of the world. The things of this life form one of the greatest dangers which beset a Christian's path. The money, the pleasures, the daily business of the world are so many traps to catch souls. Thousands of things, which in themselves are innocent, become, when followed to excess, little better than soul poisons and helps to hell. Open sin is not the only thing that ruins souls. In the midst of our families and in the pursuit of our lawful callings, we have need to be on our guard. Except we watch and pray, these temporal things may rob us of heaven and smother every sermon we hear. We may live and die, thorny ground hearers. So here again, another caution that we need to uh, take heed to. And then fourth and finally, beware of being content with any religion which does not bear fruit in our lives. Beware of being content with any religion which does not bear fruit in our lives. Our Lord tells us that the hearts of those who hear the word aright are like the good ground. 
The seed of the gospel sinks down deeply into their wills and produces practical results in their faith and practice. They not only hear with pleasure, but act with decision. They repent. They believe. They obey. Forever let us bear in mind that this is the only religion that demonstrates a Christian to be true and genuine. Outward profession of Christianity and the formal use of church ordinances and sacraments never yet gave man a good hope in life or peace in death or rest in the world beyond the grave. There must be fruits of the Spirit in our hearts and lives or else the gospel is preached to us in vain. Those only who bear such fruit shall be found at Christ's right hand in the day of his appearing. We would take from this parable then a deep sense of the danger and responsibility of all hearers of the gospel. There are four ways in which we may hear, and of these four, only one is right. There are three kinds of hearers whose souls are in imminent peril. Now in the parable that follows, we have what could be described as an application of the parable of the sower. Both parables are linked together by a common theme, the theme of hearing the word with that spiritual hearing. Look at verse 18 from Luke 8. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. And this must be a constant concern, the concern of cultivating that honest and good heart, which not only hears, but understands the word of God. Again, quoting from Ryle now in this uh, second part, this application of the parable, he notes, we learn firstly from these verses that spiritual knowledge ought to be diligently used. Our Lord tells us that it's like a lighted candle, utterly useless when covered with a bushel or put under a bed, only useful when set upon a candlestick and placed where it can be made serviceable to the wants of men. When we hear this lesson, let us first think of ourselves. The gospel which we possess was not given to us only to be admired, talked of, and professed, but to be practiced. It was not meant merely to reside in our intellect and memories and tongues, but to be seen in our lives. Christianity is a talent committed to our charge and one which brings with it great responsibility. We are not in darkness like the heathen. A glorious light is put before us. Let us take heed that we use it while we have the light. Let us walk in the light. But let us not only think of ourselves, let us also think of others. There are millions in the world who have no spiritual light at all. They're without God, without Christ, without hope, Ephesians 2.12. Can we do nothing for them? 
There are thousands around us in our own land who are unconverted and dead in sins, seeing nothing and knowing nothing aright. Can we do nothing for them? These are questions to which every true Christian ought to find an answer. We should strive in every way to spread our religion. The highest form of selfishness is that of the man who is content to go to heaven alone. The truest charity is to endeavor to share with others every spark of religious light we possess ourselves, and so to hold our own candle that it may give light to everyone around us. We learn secondly from these verses the great importance of right hearing. The words of our Lord Jesus Christ ought to impress that lesson deeply on our hearts. He says, take heed how ye hear. Would anyone know how to hear aright? Then let him lay to heart three simple rules. For one thing, we must hear with faith, believing implicitly that every word of God is true and shall stand. The word in old time did not profit the Jews, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Hebrews 4.2 For another thing, we must here with reverence, remembering constantly that the Bible is the book of God. This was the habit of the Thessalonians. They received Paul's message, not as the word of men, but the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 Above all, we must hear with prayer, praying for God's blessing before the sermon is preached, praying for God's blessing again when the sermon is over. Here lies the grand defect in the hearing of many. They ask no blessing, and so they have none. The sermon passes through their minds like water through a leaky vessel and leaves nothing behind. Oh, may the Lord help us then to be very much aware of our responsibility to hear the word aright. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. That is really very good advice coming from our Savior. May we receive the grace to give heed to it and take heed to how we hear. Let's close then in prayer. O Lord, as we bow before thee now and bring this meeting to a close, we ask that thou wilt indeed help us to take heed to how we hear. May we be very much aware, O Lord, that every time we open thy book, there is an adversary to oppose us. There is one who would distract us from the word, who would deaden us while we open the word, who would try to muddle and dull our minds. O oh Lord, help us to plead the blood against the strong man and help us to plead with thee for the help of thy spirit so that we may hear thy word aright and that it will indeed bring forth fruit in our lives. So hear our prayers now and take our thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.